receive the word. I believe the word. I become the word. I am a walking epistle. I am victorious by the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, let's jump straight into the word today. I'm going to continue our series. I'm looking, I'm sort of looking for somewhere to park our series on being rooted in the word. I will conclude either today or, 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 or on, I think so tomorrow, but not tomorrow, next week, Sunday, um, on this series. Um, but I hope that, that what you have heard, so, you know, we can literally stay on this all year and not be exhausted. Uh, we can literally stay looking at the word of God and the need to be firmly planted in the word of God for the next couple of years and we will have something to look at every single week. But I hope that what you have heard so far has helped you develop more confidence in the word of God. This word is our life. Please listen carefully. Please don't listen to me with religious ears. This word is our life. Okay? It is so important. Please do, do me a favor. Could you hit the share button if you haven't already done so? And if, even if you have, can you do it again? Perhaps somebody missed it last time as you do it. I, I'm believing God, you know, every week we probably have a free post on everything, but both on Facebook and YouTube, probably have close to about 400, 500 people who jump on, on either watching live or watching the rebroadcast. I'm believing God that we, we, can, we can put that up to a thousand. Okay, where we can, we can reach a thousand people and we're going to need your help. We're going to need every single one of you to please grab a hold of that link, to share that, to hit like, to comment, to interact with this. Because what happens is that through your interaction, you anoint the algorithm to also be an evangelist for us. Um, so, so we need you so much to, to do that. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and consistency in, in doing this. But what I was saying is that this word is our life. That's why things like sharing the word and hitting that share, you have no idea how far it goes because there will be somebody who is walking in darkness when indeed we have light. There might be somebody who is thinking that life is meaningless when indeed we are carrying and we are hearing and we are sharing that which is life. Even if you don't believe it, one day you will recognize the Bible scripture just say every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. In other words, there will be a day when every single human being will find that there is life or the life they were after is actually in Jesus and in his word. And I, I hope that you and I are those who are wise enough to recognize that truth right now and therefore posture ourselves like we believe that. We share with enthusiasm. We don't let the circumstances around us determine our temperature for the word because we have found that pearl of great treasure that is in the word. And so we, 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 we've been looking at this and we, we understand that the word really is our life. The word really is our life. And wisdom is heeding the counsel of the wise man in the book of Proverbs chapter 24 where he says, listen, pay a, listen, it, it tells his son and it tells you and I, pay attention to my words for they are life to those who find them and they are health to all their flesh. 
Amen? Because this word is life. If you really find the word and if you get a revelation of the word of God, you will find that the word is life. Amen? In the book of John chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us in the, that in the beginning, uh, in the beginning was the word. You know that famous scripture, the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, and, and the scripture tells us that the word became flesh. Uh, uh, and the word became flesh so that you and I, people can bear witness to the word that is in flesh. Look at verse 10 in John chapter 1. Verse 10 says, he being Jesus, being the word, he says he was in the world and the world was made through him. So Jesus is, uh, when Jesus appeared on earth, when he showed up on earth as Jesus, he showed up as a manifestation of the word. The word became flesh form. And the Bible says that the world was made through him. Genesis 1 confirms that. Hebrews, Hebrew, Hebrews 11 confirms, I think verse 3 tells us that the, we know by faith that the worlds were made by the word of God. So the world was made through him. And the Bible says the word, the world still did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. It is possible that, that there are people, I dare say even believers, who right now you have been made by the word, but still don't recognize the word that made you. A lot of humanity wants to, cre wants to credit everything that is genius about you to something else, to someone else, to another system, to another, to something else apart from God. I, it is possible that this morning, perhaps, you are handling the word of God. You are handling that word. Wherever you're listening to me from, perhaps you're, you're looking at the word of God on your phone or you have a, 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 a Bible that is open before you or perhaps you, you have the word up on some screen on your laptop. Wherever you have the word, do you recognize that this word, that thing that you are looking at right now is not trivial. Do you recognize that this word is your life? Do you recognize the word? Are we going to make the same mistake that they made about Jesus, the word, when he walked the earth? When Jesus walked the earth, they just looked at him, especially those who were familiar in quotes with him. They called him, isn't that Joseph's boy? They, they reduced the word of God. Don't make the mistake ever of reducing the word of God to just something we do on a Sunday morning. Isn't that just preaching? Isn't that just the word? No, this word is our life. Someone type, this word is my life. In the comment section, I want, I want to drive that into your heart. You know, earlier this year, there was a man in Nigeria who caught a blue marine fish, one of the fastest fish that, um, that, that, that exists. He caught, he caught it in, in, you know, in his local area and, um, and, and had a party with his village people and his friends, and they ate that fish. They, they, they really enjoyed it and cooked all kinds of things with that fish and enjoyed the fish. And it turned out that the fish is actually worth $2.4 million dollars. Think about that. The fish is worth $2.4 million. Now, uh, now, he enjoyed the fish. Praise God for enjoying the fish. 
But could it be that the fish was able to do more for him than him if it, someone is screaming that pain in the house? <laughs> could it be that, that, that what you're handling with the word of God right now, you are enjoying the comfort that the word brings. You're enjoying what the word is doing for you. You're enjoying even being in the company of other people. Uh, but could it be that that word, this word you are hearing, could it be that it is worth more than the value you are placing on it right now? And so what I want to do is challenge you to make sure that you, you, you approach the word of God sober-mindedly, that you approach the word of God with caution. You approach the word of God with such an awareness that there is nothing more valuable than what God says. I, I believe that you are a believer and not a doubter. And so the Bible says in John 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, as many as received the word of God, to them he gave the right, the authority, the power to become children of God. I believe that you will operate as a child of God to the degree, uh, to the degree that you receive and believe the word of God. Did you hear what I just said? I believe that you will operate as a child of God to the degree that you believe and receive the word of God. So if the only bit of the word that you receive is the bit where he talks about you being born again, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior and all of that, and that's all you receive about the word, that's the level to which you will walk through the door, but not necessarily operate in the fullness of all the other things that the word of God brings. Because to them who received him, being Jesus, being the word, to them he gave power to become sons of God or children of God. Um, to those who believe in his name, who were not born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but uh, those who were or, or born of man, but of God. You, are, you can be born of God. Okay, you can be born of God. One more time, someone type in the comment section, I am a believer, I am not a doubter. Amen? I'm a believer, not a doubter. Today, I want to speak to you about something I call, uh, my. I'm calling my rock and my sword. My rock, I struggled to find a title for this because I really knew, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about this, you know, um, a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, we were hanging out with some of the gentlemen. We th there is a there is a regular um, a, a monthly sort of youth group for for uh, that a group of guys normally host. And if you want to be a part of that, let me know, and we we will uh, get you um, get you hooked up to that. And a few weeks ago, we were hanging out with one of the gents on on Zoom, and we were talking about the word, and we were talking about the word, and we we're talking about faith, and we we're talking about the things that we've been you know, just going over the word and asking questions, and we were just really sharpening one another in the word. And somebody asked me a question that I promised that I will address at some point in this series, and I'm going to address that because we asked, okay, what happens when you have believed the word? What happens when you have you have um, you have stood on the word? You've declared the word of God, but still nothing has changed. What next? What now? That really sort of struck me. It's a, it's a really good question. Um, it's a really, really good question. Have you ever been in a place where you're asking, okay, what now? Someone type it in the comment section. If you've ever been in a place where you're asking, okay, okay now, yeah, I believe, but, but, but what now? What, what's going to happen next? 
what now? Okay, I, I, I almost call this message what now, but what, I'm, what, I'm, what, what we're looking at is I believe that the answer to that question, the answer to that question is in, is in understanding the dynamics of life, how we, are, we live by the word of God. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is, is sort of zoom out. Uh, I could answer the, the question directly um, in terms of how, how we, what we do next when we get to that particular stage. But I reckon that it's better when we back up and get a fresh review of a, a fresh preview of, of, of how it is that we are meant to be living. You know, sometimes if your if your car is you know is not starting and the mechanic shows up, they don't necessarily go immediately to the ignition. They will check some other things that appear not to be connected. That, in your opinion, might not be connected to this question of why uh, of why is the car not starting. Uh, they might check some other things and see how those things are uh, before they come to the answer that you have. So I want to really ju just just give me some license this morning as we talk about just just how the word of God is given for us to be for it to be the rock upon which we stand and the sword with which we fight. You know, Ephesians six talks about the 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 word of God as the sword of the spirit. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew seven. He says, "Those people who hear my words." And they do them, they are building, they're those who build upon a rock. Okay? But let's go to Second Samuel, Second Samuel chapter 23. God has been preaching and answering that question for me. The answer to that question was for me in second or is in Second Samuel chapter 23. And so when I checked it out, there is just so many other things that I want to cover. And I hope and hopefully in covering the things that we looked at today, we will be able to answer that what now question. Anybody here? One more time. I want to know some of you didn't tell the truth that you've been there where you're asking what what now, you know, uh, where, where it looks like um, you've been anointed king, but you're still in a cave. What now? Come on now. Um, have you ever been there where you believe for the job and you went for the interview and you didn't get it? I was speaking to somebody earlier this week, and, and, uh, and I speak to people all the time about these kinds of things where you stood in faith. You sababad, you sabrobro, you voxel, you toyotas, you declared, you poured anointing oil over the, uh, over the bill. You know what I mean? You danced, you praised, you shabbat, you, you, whatever, you, you pulled out the Hebrew. You were ready to go. You went in the Hebrew, you went in the Greek. You prayed in tongues of men and tongues of angels. And it looks like nothing is really shaking. It, it looks like it is not even happening. I just want to give you this idea, give you an insight into how it is that we are meant to live. Because as we live, then I'm telling you that you will, I believe God will send you the answer. Amen. I believe today will be a day of answers. Hallelujah. Second Samuel chapter 23, God has been preaching to me from this scripture all week. And, um, and, uh, and I want to look at the account of a man in this scripture called Eliezer. Eliezer, I, I, I want to back up for a moment and just look at his life. Um, as we look at Eliezer, I, I'll talk about this story. Uh, he is one of David's mighty men. He is one of David's mighty men. You know, David in scripture is a type of God. David in scripture is a type of God. Two reasons why I, I, I say so is God gave him an everlasting throne. 
David is one of the kings that God anointed and, and blessed him with an everlasting legacy as a king. Okay? Uh, and, and Jesus is continuing. Even when Jesus returns, the Bible talks about how he will take in the throne of David. When Jesus returns to, to reign, David has been honored so much that his throne is, is the throne that Jesus will reign from or reign, reign yeah, is the throne where Jesus reigns from. So, so David is the throne of David. And obviously you know that Jesus also came from the lineage of David, just like Jesus also came from God, okay? So in many ways in Scripture, the, David is a type of, of, of God. He's a type of God. And um, uh, and so these mighty men, there were three of them that were mentioned in Second Samuel chapter 23. I'm focusing on just Eliezer because there are stories about the other two in Scripture. But I think it would be great for you to go and read and understand a little bit more because they will give you an insight into God's will for your life in terms of how you and I are supposed to live our lives. Uh, and so these men were known as David's mighty men. They were not always mighty. They came to David. They came to David in the cave of Adullam. Remember that. He came, they came to David in the cave of Adullam. The Bible says they came to David in debt. They came to David distressed. They came to David discontented. Um, and, and by the time we see the account or we get to the account of David's men in David's last days, in the end of David's time here on earth, the Bible now begins to refer to these men who were distressed in debt and discontented. The Bible starts to refer to them as mighty men. Let me tell you, it's not about how you started. It is always about how you finished. How you started is not as important as how you finish. What you're, what you're going through now, what you are facing today, is not as important as, uh, as how you finish and how you go through this thing to the, to, to the end. Are you with me so far? You might have come in debt. You might have come sick. You might have come discontented. But if you hang around, and this is the first thing I want you to pay attention to, it is important that you understand that the company you keep matters. The company you keep matters. How does a man go from being in debt, discontented, in distress, to becoming listed as one of David's mighty men? It is the company you keep. In their distress, they came to a man who had a word over his life, but even they came to him at a point when he probably was asking, what now? Because remember the story, we're, we're coming back to 2 Samuel 23. Remember the story of David. David was anointed to be king in his teenage years. He was anointed to be king, picked out from amongst his brothers, even when they didn't want to bring him to the forefront. He was brought to the forefront because what is yours is yours. Oh man, I'm preaching a lot today. What is yours is yours. You need to listen to me. What is yours is yours. When it's your time, there is nothing as powerful as a man whose time has come. Don't worry about the Jesses in your life and the people in your life who think you belong to the background. When it's time for you to come to the front, God will send for you. Hallelujah. 
And so they came to a man, David, they were in distress, and they came to David, who probably was asking the question, what now? Because he's anointed to be king, declared to be king, and the journey continues. He kills Goliath, comes close to being to the, to the palace, and you can see the career progression. But the next thing we know is David is now hiding in the cave. How do you go from being anointed to be king? Imagine that. Imagine the, the, the just think about the story. David is anointed to be king, all right? He now traveled for years, nothing happens. The opportunity comes, he slays Goliath. Uh, it's looking like the word that is spoken over him is coming to pass. He slays Goliath. He's now close to the king, Saul. He's working in the palace. He probably went to church, you know, after... After Goliath was slain, he gave a testimony on their grateful service at the synagogue that God has increased him, that the word that was spoken over him has now come to pass, and he is now in the palace. And everybody is celebrating what God has spoken to David about, but shortly after getting the job at the palace, shortly after being pulled into the army of God as such an army of King Saul at such a young age, he now finds himself hiding in a cave. What now? What happens when it looks like the promises of God, the word that is spoken over you has been derailed, and, and it looks like it's going in the other direction? What happens when you were promised, when the word over your life is that you will be in the palace, but you're finding yourself in the cave? And so they bump into David. They bump into David. Um, that's right, Cave of Adullam, 1 Samuel chapter 22. Thank you so much. Um, th they bump into David. They bump into David uh, in the cave. Uh, and they spend time with David, and they spend all these years with David, and, um, I, I, and, and I believe that the, the men that they become, the men that Eliezer became, the man that Eliezer became, is because of the company he, he, he kept. I really encourage you, please be aware of the company that you are keeping. The company you are keeping, whether you're in debt, discontented, or distressed, that, that stuff happens in life. But the company you keep will determine whether you stay that way or whether you end up as one of David's, uh, 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 as, as, as a mighty man, okay? And so 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, if you're with me so far, type amen in the comment section. Type amen. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 9 then says, And after him was Eliezer, son of Dodo, the Ahohite. I pronounced that right. If you come to me at about 8 p.m., 9 p.m., that you know when, when my body starts shutting down, these words don't come out easy from my mouth. And then he says, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. One of the things we have got to recognize and really accept, right, don't just recognize this, accept this, take this to heart, because it is important for you to, um, for you to live life well. You've got to accept that life is a fight. Okay, type that in the comment section. Life is a fight. Actually, tweet about that. All of life is a fight. Everyone is born into a pre-existent struggle. Everyone is born into a fight. You don't get to choose whether or not you will fight. You will fight, right? 
all of life is a fight. Everyone is fighting. The poor is fighting to get their provision met. The rich is fighting to keep their provision or perhaps stay sane with all the provision they have. The single is fighting, you know, I, I, I want companion, I want intimacy. They are fighting to be whole. They're fighting to reach that. The married person is also fighting to stay sane and not kill one another. Come on now. Everyone is in a fight. Everyone is fighting something. You know, uh, uh, some, some are fighting good battles. Some are fighting waste of time. Come on, some right now are fighting comments, you know, on some random post that has nothing to do with them on f or in, in their whole life, right? Because we are born fighters. To live is to fight. Especially in a fallen world, we fall into a world that contradicts our design, that contradicts the will of God for us. So initially, even the baby is born and they're already protesting. In fact, when a baby is born and if the baby is not crying, <laughs> they feel something is wrong because if the baby is coming in completely agreeable to the world that is born into then it, you haven't recognized that or, or indeed what we're saying is something is wrong they actually have to smack the baby to make sure that you realize give you some some contradiction something to cry about because your crying is an acknowledgement that life is a fight Okay, all of life is a fight. Everybody is fighting. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, tells us the kind of fight this is. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere with this. The kind of fight with this. If you haven't shared this, please do go ahead and share. Somebody's going to be blessed by this word today. I believe that today is that day. Every day I come to preach the word, I believe that today I will preach my best message yet. And my best message is the one that brings the most deliverance. Today, we will see the salvation of God. Today, healing will flow. Today, you will be fortified in your spirit. And every place where the enemy has been tormenting you in your mind, you will receive clarity and the ability to stand your ground. Today, every evil spirit that has elevated itself above the spirit of God, they will be dethroned as you elevate God's word, which is spirit and life. Today, as you hear these words and you receive them in your heart, this will be your day of salvation. I believe that. I believe that. And so Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he's telling, T sorry, he's telling Paul, sorry, Paul is telling Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold on of the eternal life to which you were called and make the good confession to which you were called and made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Notice what he says. He says, he says, fight the fight of faith because that's what life is. Life is a fight of faith. Help me type that in the comment section. Life is a fight of faith. To live by, the Bible says that we live by faith and not by sight. We live by this fight of faith. That word faith is the Greek word kaisis. It means assurance. It means a firm persuasion. Okay? It's a stance. Faith is a stance. Faith is a stance. Hebrews 11 
one, that famous scripture that we all know and love. Hebrews 11 one says now, faith is the substance. Faith is a stance. I know we've, you know, had all kinds of definition of what substance means, uh, and you could define all of that, but li- the, the literal definition of what they're saying is faith is a substance. That word substance is hypostatic in the Greek. It means it, it describes, it's talking about the substructure upon which you stand as you hope for things. For faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay? It says faith is the substance. Your faith is really no greater than the substructure upon which you stand as you hope for something. Okay? Your faith is a stance. Your faith is a substance. The, the, the quality of your faith, the type of faith you have, is described by the stance that you are taking. Life is not about what happened to you. Life is about your stance through what happened to you. You hear what I just said? Because life is not about the, the, eva- the um, evasion of negativity. Okay? That's why, you know, anyway, I'll leave that alone. That's why new age doesn't work like they think it. It's just a matter of time before it will be proven that it doesn't work. Because, because we think, you know, wh- when we talk about positive vibes only, life doesn't care about that crap. Listen, negative vibes will come. <laughs> they come in your way. Uh, and so life is not about, it's not about, um, uh, it, 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 life is really not about what comes at you. I think that maturity as a believer comes when we get what I'm saying. So please, whatever you're doing, I know that there are things in your life right now that you are prioritized, you're, you're thinking about. I want you to just, just pay attention to what I'm saying. Because life is not about what is thrown at you. Life is really about your stance when stuff is thrown at you. Okay? Because life is about faith. Life is a stance. Life is about, we live by faith. Life is not even, it is about the substructure upon which you stand as you hope. It's, It's the fight of faith is the fight of standing. Okay? It's not about what happened. It's not even about what you built with your life. It's not about, it's really about how you stood when you were building. And it's also about what you built, what did you build upon? Okay, are you listening to me? It's about the stance. It's not about the house you built. It's about the ground you built upon. Uh, Matthew 7, we won't go there for time. Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. You, Many of you will know this scripture as well. Is a scripture, we sing about it, our, kids sing, our kids sing about this, where we're talking about the man who built on rock and the man who built on the sand. Jesus talks about these two builders. And he says that the wise, he talks about the wise builder and the foolish builder. And the difference between the wise and the foolish builder is not whether or not they built a house. Everybody is building something. But the thing that separates is what you have built upon. The difference between the wise and the foolish builder is that one builds on the rock and the other builds on sand because the real thing that matters in life is not whether it's going to rain or whether the wind is going to come. We got Christians who are believing, and, and I believe that us preachers are responsible for this in many ways, uh, and, and I believe
one of my assignments in raising kings is to raise people who understand that life is about building on the rock as a, and life is not about commanding the rain and the wind not to come. Let me say that again. I know you don't like Every time I say stuff like this, I sense, sense uncomfortability. Okay? Life is not about, now, now, you are anointed. You are so anointed that you can still the storm. But, but, but Jesus talks about that, that the wise man is the one who builds upon a rock. So much so that when the rain comes, not if, when the rain comes, not, when the, not if the wind comes, no, when the rain comes, when the rain came, the difference was that they were suddenly built. This is what this series is about. It's really about building you upon a rock. It's really about a marriage that is built upon the rock. It's really about a career that is built upon the rock. It's really about raising children built upon the rock. It's really about a church that is built upon the rock. It's really about whatever you're doing being built upon a rock because the real test of life is not about what you avoid or what you build or what you get. It is where you are standing and if you are still standing when the rain passes. Because listen, the rain will pass. The storm will pass. And life is about faith. That's why we live by faith. We live by faith. We live by our stance. And faith is a stance. Life is a stance. The life of faith is a life of standing on the rock. You hear that? Please, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is a life lesson, okay? The life of faith is a life of standing on the rock. So the word of God is my rock, okay? Someone type it in the comment section. Make a declaration. Say the word of God is my rock. Because the will of God is that we build upon the rock. It is uh, and, and the life of faith is about standing because faith is the substructure upon which you stand as you hope for stuff. So, so if, I, if I am in faith, if I say I am in faith, or the quality of, and, and by the way, every human being is in faith. Okay? Every human being is in faith. You can't live except but by faith. When you go to work, you are in faith. You are sta standing or the substructure upon which you stand is the confidence that this bus is always on time. You walk, but that's why you woke up when you woke up. You didn't see the driver wake up. You didn't see him get into the bus or her get into the bus. You just, you stand by faith because you have been convinced by the words on that paper, on that timetable that this is the time the bus is coming. Everyone lives by faith. But a quality life is a life that is built upon the rock of the words of Jesus. Please let me say this again. Uh, it's not enough to, to start your day with just general positive affirmations. Praise God for those. It's good to speak positive words. I feel the urge to really make sure that you and I understand that there is a difference. You know, the world has appropriated so much of these principles from scripture 
and, and, and you know, and, and um, I'm putting it out there in terms of um, sort of um, I, I'm, I'm stating that there, there, are, there, is a, there is a temptation to appropriate the principles of scrip- Scripture but leave out the giver, leave out, leave out Jesus Christ. So that's why you have positive vibes, but you don't want me to talk about the Savior who makes those words potent. You see? So I am, I am believing God that here at Radiant City Church, regardless of how old you are, regardless of where you are, that you and I will recognize, um, will be people who are not just sold out to positivity, that we are people who are sold out to Jesus. And our positive expectation is not just based on general positivity, but it is based on a man who died for us, who has given us his word. His word is the ground upon which we stand. Because life is a stance of faith. Okay? And so the fight of faith, when Paul was speaking, the fight of faith is a fight to stand on the word of God. That's how we live. We live by standing on the word of God. Jesus says that these words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life, and, and, and there is no profit in the flesh. So, so this is how we live. We live by standing on the word of God, by walking on the word of God. In other words, our expectation, when I think about how am I going to get home, Yes, I thank God for a good car. Yes, I thank God the car is working. Yes, I'm grateful that there is no traffic. But actually, the confidence that I get that when I get in my car, I will arrive safely home is on Jesus Christ, who is my protector according to his word. Because life is about standing on the word of God. The reason I hope, I believe that my marriage works and my marriage will continue to work is not that we am, I'm perfect or my wife is perfect. It, 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 it is that we have the word of God upon which we stand, upon which we act. So I strive to the best of my ability to conduct my affairs according to this word because if I do life by the word, I am standing on the word and when the rain comes, in the midst of the rain, I will overcome every circumstance. Are you listening to me today? So the fight is the fight to keep standing and standing on the word. Life is a, is, a, is, a, is a question of what you're standing on. That's why the Bible says the righteous fall seven times. But look what the Lord does. He picks them up and causes them to stand again. Because the problem in life is not whether or not you fall. The question is, will you stand? Because if, as long as you are choosing to stand again, you still have another chance. I came to speak to somebody who feel, feels like they fell last week. You fell perhaps even this morning. Maybe you faltered in your words or in your deeds. I came to encourage you and ask you to stand again. You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You are of that breed that stands again. You have access to a whole future. Not because of the absence of mistakes in mistakes in your life, but because you are righteous and you have been made to stand again in faith. Stand up one more time and believe again. Stand up and believe that where you missed it last time, we will find the answer in the word. 
stand up and believe that God is not done with you yet. Stand up and believe that's what matters. It isn't what happens that matters. It is your willingness to continue to believe the word of God because life is a fight of faith. Life is a fight of faith. Amen? And this is where the word comes in because Jesus is saying that the wise man builds upon the rock. That the wise man built upon the rock. And he talks about that word as being his, his word as being your rock. One more time, someone say, the word of God is my rock. So life is a fight. Life is a fight of faith. And faith is a fight to keep standing. And the word of God is what we stand upon. Because the word of God is our rock. Like the old timer Jesus said. Every other ground is sinking sand. Okay? Every other ground is sinking sand. I am standing on the rock. Hallelujah. The word is our rock. The word is, the, is my rock upon which I stand. So we walk, but when we say we walk by faith, we are, we are literally walking on the rock. It's not some, it's not a vice. It's, it's not some stuff that's out there. It's not just kind of, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a decision to walk by faith, to walk on the word of God. It's a decision to believe again. That's why the enemy doesn't like you, because you keep on standing. That's why the enemy doesn't like you. Regardless of all the hurt and all the things you've been through, all the disappointments that you might have faced, you're still tuned in to this broadcast, still declaring the word is my rock. Because when, when, when you don't know what to do, at least keep on standing. The moment you stand up again, you're standing in faith again, and you are still in tune to be victorious for this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Show me a man who, it's not about how many times you fall. Show me a man or a woman who chooses to stand up again. I will show you a person who has chosen the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The moment you choose to stand up again, I know you're on the path to victory. So all I'm asking you, wherever you are, stand up again. Hallelujah, I know that rejection hurt, but stand up again. I know you failed again, but stand up again. I know you made that mistake. I know things didn't quite work out like you expected, but stand up again because to live is not to lie down. To live is to stand. Faith is standing again. Standing on that word again. A life of faith is a life of standing on the word. And the fight of faith is a fight to keep standing, okay? The fight of faith in sickness is the fight to keep standing, believing for healing. The fight of faith to, in, in lack is the fight to continually believe that Jehovah Jireh is your provider. The fight of faith in depression is to con constantly find a way to believe that there is a garment of praise that is reserved and can be exchanged and will be exchanged and even has been exchanged for the spirit of heaviness. That's what the fight of faith looks like. Okay? In fact, I would say, and this is another statement I'm going to make, I believe 
have reached this conclusion. I believe that life is more about the stand, the standing on the word, than it is about what you even get by standing on the word. Do you hear that? See, if you get this, we become unstoppable. I, I believe that life is more about the fight of faith. Is, uh, sorry, life is more about standing on the word much more than it is about what you get by standing on the word. All right? Because our what now question often comes when you stand on the word and you haven't got what you were, you were hoping to get. All right? So what happens is when you haven't got what you're hoping to get, in fact, I'm going to make a strong statement, okay? If you faint in the day of adversity, the Bible says that your strength is small. And the strength here was the strength to keep standing on the Word of God. And I'll tell you why your strength was small. Your strength was small because you trusted in the adversity much more than you trusted in the giver of strength upon whom you stood. Woo. Should have given your preaching gears this morning. Okay? Life is more about the ground upon which you stand than it is what you are facing. If you are facing something today, uh, uh, you, 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 you are, your strength comes, you know, the, the strength of this house, the strength of this building, it comes because, you know, we, we read that scripture, and you, you know, in our, in our, in our generation that feels, that feels offended at everything. You know, that scripture is very offensive. You know, one, one part of that scripture talks about, it says, if you faint in the day, one, one translation puts it, if you faint in the day of adversity, it says, you are a force for evil. That's the Bible. I, I'm not cursing you out. Don't get offended at me. Okay? But, but think about it this way. If you, if you put down your offense and really hear scripture, what the scripture is really saying if we combine what we've been looking at in Matthew 7 and what Proverbs is saying, the scripture is really saying, if, if I put it this way, if this house falls in the day of adversity, if this house crumbles in the day of adversity, the problem was not the wind. The problem was the foundation of the house. All right? The, the issue is the foundation wasn't strong enough to handle it. So our focus in life is not the adversity. The thing that makes you strong is the ground upon which you stand. It is your willingness to dig deep, to build upon the rock. Come on, don't leave this broadcast right now. Say with me, say Jesus is my rock. The word is my rock. We build on the rock. When I understand, I build on the rock. When I don't understand, I build on the rock. In fact, you get to a new level of faith when you don't even understand what God is doing, but you're standing on his word. Because obe understanding is not a prerequisite for obedience. God doesn't expect you. God is so great that he expects you 
you know, he, he's kind that he, 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 will, he will give you understanding, but, but understanding is not a prerequisite for obedience. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6 to 7 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. Therefore, my beloved, my beloved brethren, he says, Be steadfast, immovable. Be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hallelujah. Always abound. He says, be steadfast. This is where I, who I want to be. I want to be the guy that is steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Okay? Always abounding in it. Always giving my best wherever the Lord asks for me. Always supplying. Always ready to serve. Always ready to give to, to, to give into the things of God, always ready to help somebody out, always ready to do the work of God because I am solidly planted. You see, you see people who are always abounding in the work of God. It is not that they haven't had storms in their lives. It is that they have built upon the rock. It is that they are building upon the rock. Be steadfast, immovable. Somebody declare, in, put it in the comment section, I am steadfast and I am, I am immovable. I'm not flaky. I'm not wavering. I, I'm not here and there. I'm not tossed around. I am steadfast. Make this your goal in life. Steadfastness, just steady. Let's not be praying to know where we're going to find you next week. Your children need to know that you are, this is who you are. They don't need to be worried. Is daddy happy? Is he sad? No, be steadfast. Okay? They don't need to be they don't need to be unsure about whether you love them. Be steadfast in the communication of your love to your wife or your husband. Be steadfast in your service. Be immovable in the things that you believe. We don't go with popular opinion. We are immovable. The word of God is the word of God. We walk in love all the time. Steadfast. Because life is a fight to keep on standing on the rock. Okay? So the Bible says, back to 2 Samuel 23, the Bible says, Eliezer stood with David and he defied the Philistines. This, this is what the Lord has been speaking to me on week. So I'm just, I'm just, I feel so excited to just preach to you what, what I've been meditating on all week. It says, Eliezer stood with David and he defied the Philistines. The Philistines are always a type of those things that defy, you know the Philistines in the scripture? They didn't fight the Israelites once. They came again and again. You know, the people of, the people of God, it, 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 the, the, the journey of the Israelites in, in Scripture is a story, is a type and shadow for you and I. And the Philistines are those things that come over and over and over again. Come on. Anybody ever got some Philistines in your life? I'm not talking about your cousin. Leave your cousin alone. I'm talking about the, the <laughs> some of you are, yeah, that my cousin, he's, yeah, auntie, you know, whatever. No, leave auntie alone. I'm talking about those things that come at you. They just come at you over and over and over again is the battle that you're always fighting in your flesh in one way in the other. It is, that's what the Philistines did. The Philistines fought David. The Philistines fought Samuel. The Philistines fought Saul. The Philistines, every king that came after David, before David, they thought they did something with the Philistines because these guys keep coming over and over and over again. And the Philistines are those things that th is, is that spirit that seeks to contradict the will of God for your life. That contradicts the purpose of God for your life. And here is how we live. We live like David and Eliezer. We live defiant. 
The Bible says that he has a spirit, David, and he was defiant. When you have the word of God on something, everything that contradicts the will of God for your life is a Philistine. Now, God uses it, but it's still a Philistine. Just like God used Goliath to propel David forward, it doesn't cleanse Goliath from being a Philistine. Are you listening to me? Uh, and, And the goal of the Philistine is to move you up. The things that you and I are facing, the trials that you are facing, the, the, the setbacks that you are noticing in your life, the things that can come against you which you recognize, they, they're literally seeking to push you off the ground that you are standing on. That's literally what life, life is all about. That's literally what the opposition is all about. Just like the wind came for one purpose only, to push down the houses or to test the foundation upon which the, ground, the, the houses stand. Okay, you can look at it one way or the other. You can either look at the wind as that thing that comes to push you down, or you can look at the wind as the thing that comes to try your foundation. And in fact, that's what Scripture says. Peter talks about your faith is being tried. Your, what, your, the quality of your stance every time you got that rejection, every time you face that disappointment, every time that thing doesn't work out, every th- what, what is really happening is your faith is being tested. And Job, put it this way, Job says, yes, he might try me, but when he is done, I will come forth as pure gold. I believe in the name of Jesus that this thing is not unto death, but that, Lord, that the, the Lord himself will be glorified in your life. Amen? And so the Bible says, Eliezer and David, there is a posture. There is a posture that you and I need to have. It's a posture of defiance. David had that posture of defiance. Remember in 1 Samuel 17, 26, we won't go there for time, but in 1 Samuel 17, 26, you see David's natural posture. David's natural posture, he shows up and, and this Philistine is shouting. For 40 days, he's been taunting. He's been, he's been taunting. He's been saying, oh, you're going to fail. Oh, that's not going to come through. Oh, you know, that's what, that's what lies. And everybody know what I mean. You, you recognize the voice of a Philistine. You know, he comes taunting, and, 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 and even before the fight, they come, most of the time when you see the scripture describe the attack of the Philistines, they often come shouting. So even before the fight happens, they're already sending a, 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 a sound ahead. And I will talk about that in a little while. But I love what David does here in 1 Samuel 17, 26. He shows us his posture. The Bible says about, about the posture of David. He says, what shall be done for the, for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? This is our posture. This is fighting course. The posture of a believer is a posture that says, what is this sickness that thinks it can take away the purpose of God for my life? What is this rejection that that seeks to defy the will of God for my life? What is this thing? What is this spirit? What is this issue that seeks to defy? We stand defiant, just like Eliezer stands with David. The Bible says they defied the children, the, the Philistines. I pray today that the anointing of defiance 
will come upon you that you will no longer shrink back that you will no longer withdraw but there will be something about you that chooses to stand your ground Ephesians 6 talks about this it says stand your ground gird up yourself with the belt of truth stand your ground it's a defiant stuff what is this come on where is your fighting toys where is your fi- has the world made you made you so nice we have this nice image of jesus of him walking around and just doing food bank stuff and helping the homeless and helping a woman cross the road and he did all of that stuff but that's not all that he is he wasn't just a lamb he was a lion a lion is defiant where is your fighting side it's there where is your fighting side will you defy will you stand like you will fight will you tell lies that i'm fighting back I pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord would, I see you, brother, you're crying right there listening to me right now. But I know what's happening in you. Your giant is rising up. Your strength is rising up again. Because where you have backed out of life and you've cowered in a corner and you've been curled up, the Lord is infusing you with strength again. And you will stand up and fight again. Because life is a fight. And the devil doesn't play fair. Just because you're cowering in the corner doesn't mean that he's going to stop. He's not going to pull back just because you feel tired. Rest if you need to rest. Call upon somebody and say, I'm a little bit tired. We'll come to tiredness shortly. But I need you to understand that what your victory will be by you standing up again. And so Eliezer stands with David in defiance of all these Philistines. And and verse 10 then says, he arose and attacked the Philistines. Hallelujah. He arose and attacked the Philistines. So life is a life. Are you with me so far? Life is, you live by faith. Faith is about your stand. Real faith is about standing on the word of God because that's your rock. But the Bible says here, that there is one other thing that, that Eliezer does. He takes up the sword, and he, the sword, and you see it as we go along. He attacks the Philistines. It's one thing to be defiant, it's another thing to attack. Okay? Arise, he arose and fought. We, we don't just stand on the word, we fight back. There's, there, there's an anointed worship leader who says, Talk to me, I talk back. You know, talk back. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some of you are going to go start. It's not a worship song. <laughs> don't, don't Google it. <laughs> don't, don't Google that song. Okay. What we're going to do is, is if life talks to you, don't keep quiet. Talk back. Come on, somebody type in the comment section, I talk back. Come on now, help me type it in the comment section. Say, I talk back. We're not going to die in silence. We're not going to keep quiet. We will talk back because that's what the, this guy does. The Bible says he arose and he attacked the Philistines. Some days you've got to wake up and look at that sickness in your body. Pull out every scripture in that talks about healing. Declare in the name of Jesus. He has borne those stripes that I might be healed. I declare in the name of Jesus. The, the, there are days even in the midst of that depression, there are moments where you get light. And I pray that on those days you will have the presence of mind to declare he has given me, he has not given me a spirit of fear, but he has given me a spirit of power, love, and a, and a, and a sound mind because we talk back. Come on, believer, we talk back. Don't sit down, don't die with words in your mouth. You've got a sword 
Ephesians 6 talks about the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It's the only offensive weapon that you have been given. That is why we don't fight with our brothers and our sisters. We don't backbite. We don't gossip. We don't pull people down. We fight with the word. We fight the Philistines with the word. We take up the word. We declare the word. My future is great. We talk back. We talk back to our enemies when the enemy speaks one thing that contradicts the will of God. Say, uh uh, not in this house. In this house, we're living long. In this house, we're living strong. In this house, the hand of God is upon us. In this house, we're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. In this house, the hand of God is working for me. The power of God is on the inside of me. He is quickening my mortal body. I do not fail because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. When I fall, he picks me up. Every door opens for me because I am operating by the anointing. The hand of Jesus is working for me. He holds the key of David. He opens doors that no man can shut. He shuts doors that no man can open. When I stand and open my mouth, wisdom flows out. I talk back. I said I talk back. Where are you talking back? Has your mouth been silenced in this season? Has your fear been silenced by the overwhelming nature? Can I tell you something? Don't allow what you're watching on the news. Don't allow what you're seeing around you. Don't allow the, if you look around you, there is just a spirit of hopelessness. Because, because you look at the wars that are being fought and you look at the things that are happening around us. It just looks like this thing is too tangled to be to, to be unraveled, to, it, it looks impossible, but I pray that God will raise a bunch of people who talk back, who in the face of what the enemy is doing across the nation, we are still declaring that Jesus is Lord. We are still declaring that his perfect will is being done in our nation. We are still declaring that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We are still declaring that in the end, the will of God is being done. We talk back. We talk back. Open your mouth and declare, I talk back. I talk back. Don't allow your mouth to be silenced. And the Bible says that's how we attack. We attack with the sword of the spirit. And so he attacked the Philistines until, now this is where my, my answer. Remember that question, what now? And the Bible says he attacked until his hand was wearied. Whew. Until, have you ever, <laughs> this, this is where, I, I believe this is where that question comes from. All right, what now? Because I've been fighting. Now my hands are weary. And it looks like these doggone Philistines are still coming. Uh, my hands are weary. But I love what Eliezer does here. He fights to the place where his hands get weary. And, um, and you see, sometimes you, you, need to be, you need to be patient with people. Sometimes they're not really backsliding. They don't really hate God. They're just tired. And, and, and don't, don't be in a hurry to tell someone, have you prayed? Of course they have. Don't be in a hurry to say, tell someone, oh, you're, you're not praying enough. Or you're, you're, no, they have. They, they've been declaring the word. They've been believing. Sometimes be gracious in the way you speak to people about what they're going through. Don't be quick to dismiss what they've been fighting. You show up at Eliezer's life now and you see when he's weary and you say, oh God, you need to fight. You need to, no, he's been fighting. He's been standing. And I love this. What here's what the scripture says. The scripture says that he, he fought until his hands were weary. And 
I love this. The Bible says his hand touched his skin. This is where the difference is in this fight. See, in this fight, you will get wounds. But those hands don't need to feel the wounds. But if you, the challenge now is to make sure that whatever happened, in fact, the, the message Bible puts it this way, that he got, th- that, that, that he, he kept fighting till, till he grew very, very weary. But the message Bible says his hands never left his skin. All right? In other words, even in those days, even in the days where I don't know what next is going to happen, I've made a decision to hold on to my skin. Come on, someone type, type in the comment section. Hold onto your skin. You know what the sword is? The, sto- the, the, the word? Hold onto your sword. He fought till he held onto your sword. The message, let, let me read it from the Message Bible. It says, Eliezer stood his ground and killed the Philistines right and left until he was exhausted. But the scripture says, he never let go of his sword. Never let go of your sword. Never let go of the word. Now you've got to acknowledge when you're tired. You've got to acknowledge when you're disappointed. You've got to acknowledge when you feel like God has let you down. God is your big boy. He can handle your disappointments. He can handle, but what you and I need to remember is hold on to your, your sword. Never let your sword go. The scripture says his hands stuck to the sword because the word of God is our sword. And I love this last part. It says the Lord brought about a great victory that day. How amazing it is that we are fighting all this fight, but the reality is, listen carefully, the reality is the victory comes from the Lord. Did you hear what I said? In other words, it is not even your fighting that brings the victory. The scripture should have said, if I was writing this scripture, it says he arose and attacked the Philistines until his, his hands, this is Eliezer's hands, not the Lord's hands, the, until his hands was weary and his hands stuck to the sword. And the Bible says, and the Lord brought a great victory. I would have written this as saying, as Eliezer won a great victory that day. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, the Lord won a great victory that day. And the people returned only, uh, returned after him to plunder. And by the way, as Eliezer stands his ground, all the other people run away. They flee. And it's a picture of, of who we are. We don't go with the crowd. We go with what God has sent us. The people that are running might be running for good reason because they don't have the word that you have to stand on the word. And, and even in the seasons where you get weary, please understand that the Lord himself will bring a fresh victory. I declare in the name of Jesus that you will experience the victory of the Lord, that you will experience the Lord bringing about victory in your life. As you stand on the word and, you, and as you swing that sword of the spirit, you need to understand this. The victory belongs to the Lord. What you are doing as you demonstrate your faith by swinging that sword of the spirit is you are exercising confidence in God. And as you exercise confidence, he will bring about a great victory by your hand. Even if it is just a little bit of scripture that you know, wield that scripture because the Lord is bringing great victory. In fact, let me just prophesy this over everyone who is listening to me today. I declare this week a week of victory for you. That this week the Lord himself will bring great victory for you. That in every 
sword and declaring his word that this will be a season of great victory for you in the name of Jesus. That just like he wrote and brought about a great victory for David's mighty men, that the Lord is bringing you great victory. Please understand every time you open your mouth. Please understand every time the Philistines show up. Please understand every time life comes at you. Please understand that the Lord is bringing you great victory. Hallelujah. So that's what's up. So in the seasons where you're declaring what now, please know I'm holding on to my sword. I'm holding on to my sword and this much I know. It doesn't look like it right now, but the Lord is bringing me a great victory. The Lord is working behind the scenes. He is working beyond what you can see. Hold on to your sword because the Lord is bringing you great victory. I prophesy over you to everyone who is weary right now that you will receive strength. That everyone, for everyone who feels like that you have been pushed and shoved to come off the ground upon which you are standing, I pray in the name of Jesus you will receive strength to stand your ground because you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You will live long to see the long rot of the Lord wrought a great victory in your family. You will live long to see these words that you have been speaking over your life manifest and show up because the word of God is the rock upon which you stand and he is your sword of victory. Father, thank you. We receive your word. We believe you receive. Be it unto me according to your word. We declare we are strong. We declare we are steadfast. We declare we are immovable. We declare that we are victorious in Christ Jesus. All the glory, Lord. All the honor. All the praise belongs to you. In Jesus' name. And those who believe said amen. Amen. Come on, celebrate like, like you've already won the victory. Come on, celebrate right there at home. I dare you to give God a shout of praise. I dare you to do a dance. I dare you to dance like you are already victorious. Put something in the comment section that just celebrates your confirmation that you are already victorious because you are standing on the rock and he is your victory. Uh, come on, celebrate something. Do something that just reminds you that you are victorious. You are victorious. You are victorious. You are victorious. You're not, we haven't believed cunning fables. We're, we are talking about the word of God, the very stuff that created the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith, you are already victorious. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory for your victory. I'm already victorious. I see that coming through. I am victorious. Hallelujah. The Lord is fixing some stuff right now. Watch some things accelerate. Watch some things accelerate in the name of Jesus. Watch some things accelerate in your life. Let's come together with our giving. Let's bring our best gift. It's a good time to sow a seed. I dare you to sow a defiant seed. Hallelujah. That's right. This week will be a victory, victorious week. I, I, I challenge you to sow a defiant seed. Sow a seed that your unbelieving, you know, uh, friend will, will marvel. Sow a seed that will make those who don't know your God to say, what are you doing? Hallelujah. Sow a seed to tell the enemy that you're still standing. 
that you still believe God. Hallelujah. This is your opportunity. This is an opportunity. This is, this, is, this, is, this is what, why giving is such a powerful thing. Apart from all the other stuff we talk about, like the, the, the power of generosity or the power of, um, of just the common basic human decency that, 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 that makes us understand that we can give generously, that, that giving to other people and giving into good causes is just, is just good for life. But when you come to the things of God, when, when, when you are living by faith, giving is such, a, is such an act of faith. When the enemy is threatening your provision and you choose to give, that's why this woman who is, remember the, Elijah, he meets this woman, this woman who, uh, 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 a, a widow, and she, she just has enough for her child. Uh, for her and her child to eat, and, and, and if you like, the enemy at that time is, is the threat of death. But, but through her willingness to give out of her little, through her willingness to give out of her, it's a, such a defiant thing to say, I'm going to believe in God's provision more than I believe in the threat of death. Not just so, not just by talking about it. I'm going to believe in the provision of God so much so that I'm going to give my best. I'm going to give out of my little. I'll give my best. It, there is such a powerful thing that happens. There is such a powerful thing that happens. That's why Jesus is sitting in the temple and he's seeing all of these people giving. And he finds this woman who gives just, just a, 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 a copper coin. She gives the least. She gives what she has. And Jesus says, this woman has given more than all of them because she has given from a place of sacrifice. She has given because, you know, to really give in a way that impacts you is a demonstration of faith. A demonstration of confidence. So I encourage you to give your best right now. The details for giving are right there on the screen. You can give via PayPal using your card details. You can give uh, via our 